Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Tonight's segment, Gourmet Food, had to be canceled because Brian ate the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on the day after Memorial Day and more about that in the rant. Uh, In tonight's show, we... (laughs) Uh, we go back to Ask the Pipe Maker because I've got a handful of those that i got to get caught up on. And then my guest tonight is Pipe Maker Hector Weeb, and we get to chat with Hector and learn about the uh, learn about the radiator pipes. And music mailbag and, of course, rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, if you are in South Korea... And uh, if you're in South Korea, give me a shout, uh, holler at me, email me, whatever, text, tweet, you know, whatever. Uh, And you happen to see, uh, you happen to see a Pipes Magazine radio show hat? Well, that's my daughter. Yes, (laughs) this past weekend we sent her off to Seoul, South Korea for her uh, study abroad and uh, summer internship as a requirement for her graduation she will be there for four weeks, so if I have any pipe-smoking friends in South Korea, please let me know and then keep an eye out for her. She'll be easy to spot. <laughs> First picture we have of her there, she's wearing a Pipes Magazine radio show hat. And no, she doesn't smoke a pipe, because I'm a terrible salesman. Um, in fact, neither of my kids smoke a pipe, and I'm a terrible salesman because of that. But at the same time... Uh, my tobacco collection is very safe and sound, so I don't have to worry about anybody sneaking in and grabbing the good stuff. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corn Cob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and uh, joining us for the Ask the Pipe Maker segment is Jeff Grasick. Jeff, you're 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 still willing to do these, huh? Thank you. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. I mean, what Brian didn't tell you is he's got my he's got me uh, my arm twisted behind me. Yes, I do not have any pictures of you doing anything wrong, so you must love me for and and I appreciate I, it. I do. Okay. Uh, Mike Zika, our friend from the Chicago Pipe Club and Pipe Show, sends in this question. Do a smoker's puffing characteristics, i.e. cadence, strength of draw, etc., relate to that particular smoker's chamber size preferences, i.e. width and depth of the chamber? And then a follow-up or alternative question would be, do a tobacco's properties like sugar content and cut and I would imagine nicotine and stuff relate to preferences in chamber size? 
So, mm. so let's go with the part that you know, because you know about the pipe. You don't know anything about tobacco. Yeah. Um, do you? Uh, I guess I. I guess a good way to ask this would be is, um, you know, many of your customers have have different styles of smoking. What? Yeah, they, I mean, you know, I would assume so. Yeah. What things do they look for in your pipes that fit their style of? You yeah. Know, yeah. So, I mean, there you go. Okay. No, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty good question. Um, it's really you know, simple. I, I, it, one of these, it's, it's a situation where, or the, the, the question really relates to how observant the smoker is, how much experience the smoker has with pipes. Because I think the more time people spend collecting smoking pipes, the more they realize which pipes they keep going back to. And that is that really touches on both of the the parts of the question that he asked uh it's a the connection between the type of tobacco they typically smoke and the manner in which they smoke them some people are really slow like sippers uh of the pipe and like to keep that ember going the whole time like a pipe smoking contest and other people are you know they burn really really fast and they just it's like a smokestack the whole time um you know those types of smokers, the, the ones who are smoking really quickly, well, I certainly hope that they are gravitating to uh, pipes with thick walls. Um, because <laughs> yeah. I don't really like replacing pipes for people who burn them out. Um, I will do it if it's my fault. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of times where it's user error, and usually it's a pipe smoker like that um, who is buying the wrong type of pipe for his or her smoking style. Um, but yeah, I think that people tend to, they tend to gravitate towards certain shapes and dimensions based on their experience. Does a bigger, does a bigger air hole through the pipe, does that relate more to somebody that's looking for a, a, I don't know, how do I, how do I say this? Is, Is that somebody that's looking for a bigger hit of smoke? I mean, it can, it doesn't, I, I, in my experience, it isn't people who are looking for a bigger hit of smoke. Um, a lot of the listeners probably know of Rick Newcomb, who's a good friend of both of ours. Yep. Uh, and Rick has long been an advocate of a larger airway. And the reason he likes to have a larger airway is that he wants the, he, for him, he finds that it helps keep the ember going longer so he can sip on the pipe over a long period of time without it going out. Um, but if you are a pretty heavy puffer, and you have uh, an airway dimension that's larger like that, you're going to find with that little resistance that you're getting so much airflow that you're going you're gonna to heat the bowl up pretty quickly and burn through your tobacco uh, more quickly than you might like to. So is that one of the reasons why I, you know, some of the Danes have been, or the Danish pipe makers or pipe makers in Europe have been with smaller air holes is that mm-hmm. to slow down the consumption rate of the tobacco because tobacco is so expensive in Europe? Oh, you know, I don't, I, I haven't heard that before. So I really don't have enough information to speculate on that. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that it's an economic decision as such. Um, but I don't know that it isn't, um, in my, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, or if you know differently, but most of the, most of the uh, European pipe makers are making, they have about four four millimeter airway in the, the shank 
and a three and a half millimeter airway tapering down to a two and a half million uh, millimeter airway in the mouthpiece. Yeah, I, I guess it would it would also depend on the shape of the pipe too, because if you've got a real narrow yeah. shank, you're you're not putting four millimeters through a six millimeter shank. Oh, you shouldn't be making a six millimeter shank anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> Again, I don't like to make pipes that I'm going to have to replace. Oh, you're, you're, well, if you replace them, then you have to make them again. Precisely. Well, then you get to sell them again. Oh, well, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> see if, if my customers break pipes, a lot of times they, they want me to replace them for them. Oh and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay. user, user error, um, can be hard to convince someone who's, uh, someone who's been smoking for 30 years that, uh, that this person made the mistake, even though this person very clearly made the mistake. Let's go back to reality again. Uh, do, you, <laughs> do you use the same size air holes through the shank and the stem, no matter what the size of the bowl is or the shape of the bowl? Uh, yeah, almost, um, almost exclusively, uh, you'll find my pipes are 4.1 millimeters, um, through the shank and in the mouthpiece, um, on occasion and typically by request, I will alter those dimensions. So it doesn't matter if it's a group, if it's a group six or a Magnum or a, a squat tomato it's, or it's the same. If it's a Magnum, I'll hop up to, uh, 11 64ths. Um, so it's another 16th or what is it, another 64th bigger. I don't do math. I do a podcast <laughs> and, and I book travel. That's well, and I as you, do math, I'm, I'm jumping between the uh, Imperial and metric system. So you can see how well I know all of this. Yeah. So you've got these things that work for you, but you don't know. <laughs> you, you I don't know how I get there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love it. Um, let's go on to the back half of his, uh, of his question. And it says to, to, do a tobacco's properties, sugar content and cut relate to preferences and chamber size. Mm -hmm. And I'll add in there, you know, all right. So you got the variable of the sugar content. You got the variable of the cut of the tobacco. You got the variable mm -hmm. of the nicotine in the tobacco and moisture and moisture in the tobacco. And then you got the variable, the, the variability of the chamber size in there. And then you add in the third, the, the third part that's got a variable, which is the human consuming it. And mm -hmm. I think all of a sudden you've got a number bigger than the national debt when it comes to possible combinations and growing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, the only thing that I would say is that, yeah, certain, I think certain cuts work better in certain bowls. You know, I don't, I think if you put a, if you do the fold and tuck of a flake tobacco and you do that in a big pipe or in a, you know, what a group five, group six or anything wider mm -hmm. than three quarters of an inch, I think that starts to, you know, that starts to jack around with the flake and it makes it hard to smoke. So yeah, me, well, and you'll you'll be smoking it for three days. Well, yeah, and you you know you've got a you're going to run out of lighter fluid trying to get the whole top of it evenly lit. Uh, yeah. So there are certain sizes that I think work better, but again, mm -hmm. it all goes down to it, it all comes down to the preference and and the experience, and I think we as 
we as pipe smokers, most of us, not you apparently, because you, you know, have you, as you said, you smoke whatever tobacco you got laying around in the same pipe, and you only own one pipe anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, if you're out in the yard doing that, I'm sure you just put yard clippings in there and puff away on it. Uh, oh, for sure. For with, sure. With some Latakia. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, but we all eventually develop our own personal styles. And I think we need to try as many different variables to find out what works for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the misconceptions I had when I first started smoking a pipe is that there were rules, right? And that there was a, there was a way to do this. I mean, the way to do it is to fill your pipe with tobacco and light it and Find what your pattern is. How tightly do you like to have it packed? Do you like to break a pipe in starting on the bottom and, you know, fill it halfway? Or do you like to just fill it up and smoke it all the way down? Um, you know, do what, what you enjoy doing and what works well. You're, the chances of you breaking the pipe um, doing this are very, very slim. Yeah, and I'll add in there, like you talked about as a pipe maker, about, you know, stepping out and doing something new and different to kind of flex your muscles uh, mm -hmm. We as pipe smokers really ought to break out of our comfort zones and try try different pipes and different styles and sizes and try different tobaccos just to just to break out of our routine and see what's out there. No doubt, no doubt. I I've learned a lot by visiting with customers um, who will you know pull out a tobacco that I wouldn't otherwise have access to or wasn't aware of and say, hey, try this and and try it in this way. Pack it a little tighter. Um, and I'll try it and I'm like, wow, that's, that's really different than my, what I'm accustomed to smoking. Like the, the way that it feels when I'm smoking it, um, you know, the resistance that you get drawing through it is different and maybe it's pleasing, maybe it's not, but it's something to explore. And what's, I mean, the worst you're going to do is, you know, have an unsuccessful experience with it and throw away, I don't know what a fraction of an ounce of tobacco. Jeff, I think we've uh, I think we've uh, exhausted everything that we can say about that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I think we could talk more about it, but I think people would fall asleep. I think they have, so we'll wake them up by playing a commercial. <laughs> okay. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark, and like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us from Canada, the middle of Canada, but not too far off the American border is uh, maybe we'll build a wall. Uh, no politics, I promise, is uh, Hector Weeb, maker of uh, Weeb pipes, which I, you're going to have to talk me through all these pipe smoker. You're a regular at the Chicago Pipe Show. Hector, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Brian. It's actually uh, pretty good to be here. Yeah, and and not as painful as it sounds, is it? Oh no, no. They uh, they rarely are. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's just because you don't have to see me while you do this. Um. So where'd you? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? And let's get to know you a little bit. 
Well, uh, I am currently living in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Uh, as you mentioned, it's about an hour above the U.S. border. It is smack dab in the middle of the country. Um, I've been here since, actually, I was born here, but uh, I grew up in Paraguay, South America. So um, I was there for several years until I was about 11 years old. And since then, I've lived here in Canada, in Winnipeg. Um, yeah, that's pretty much my my youth, I guess, and how I got here. Is Paraguay, that's the one, is, that's the only landlocked country in South America? Uh, you know what, I'm not that great with their geography, but I believe you are correct. I believe all the other ones are coastal. And, and it's also full of a lot of old American cars and stuff like that. Uh, no, I just looked on a map. Bolivia is also landlocked, so we'll we'll completely forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so when did you when did pipe smoking come into your life? Well, it actually started with uh, cigars. When I was uh, first married in two thousand and nine, the my wedding night uh, was the first night I ever had a cigar. I bought some for my groomsmen. And actually really enjoyed it. So that began my love affair with fine tobacco. Uh, but a few years later, um, my then wife and I uh, were expecting uh, a little boy. And, you know, money was start. you know, we were starting to start this family, bought a bigger house, all the fun stuff that comes with building a family. And money was getting tighter and cigars are not a, uh, you know, they're not a poor man's hobby. No. So I decided to look into uh, pipe smoking because I still wanted to enjoy uh, fine tobacco. And I bought my first uh, pipe, which was actually a Missouri Meerschaum Legend corncob pipe. <laughs> and I grabbed a couple of, uh, of store brand uh, tobaccos, one aromatic, one uh, was an English blend. And just the stark contrast between that and cigars was insane. So to me, they were two very different things. But I, I got hooked. I loved it. I loved the variety of flavor. So I decided to upgrade and get a, uh, my first Briar pipe, which was a, uh, a Savinelli Florence in red uh, stain. And I loved that. And as I was looking at it, I'm like, I could make one of these. I could try one of these. So I, I you know, did a little bit of research as to how they're made and what goes into them. And suddenly I discovered the whole you know, artisan pipe maker uh, community that's out there and just the wealth of knowledge that, that they share. And, uh, yeah, that that was very appealing to me. So I started slowly getting into that until I uh, started making uh, handmade pipes full-time. Well, sorry, not full-time, but in every evening, basically. Uh, you know, upgraded, upgraded and purchased tools to put in the shop to, to specifically make pipes. And uh, it, was, it was a side gig for quite a while. Until uh, until my little guy was born, slowed down a bit, but I was still using it to you know bring money into the household, and uh, and then at one point he was he he was born sick. He had a lot of health issues when he was younger, and uh, so eventually I had to slow down altogether uh, to spend more time in the house rather than in the garage, yep. and uh, and then after that. And I, I, I don't know if you want to go into the full story of uh, where the radiator came from, but that came about as as part of his uh, being sick. 
Yeah, so um, let's save that for now because I want to talk about, you know, you, you, so you started when you were making your first pipes, those were traditional briar and ebonite and, you know, and run a hole through that and make that, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was. I mean, I never got very good at it. I never, I didn't make enough uh, pipes to get very good at it. I also didn't interact with other pipe makers enough yet that early on to actually see, you know, because they love sharing information. They, uh, it's it's not necessarily trade secrets per se, but it's just, right. uh, there are a lot of those. But uh, when you're first getting started, it's a lot of just, you know, saving you time and you know, so you don't have to learn it all on your own the hard way. So they'll they'll show you how to do it. And I didn't interact with a lot of pipe makers back then. Uh, so uh, it was kind of a painful learning curve for me. Everything was learn as you go and just reading online and, and so on. But yeah, they were they were briar pipes, and there's still a few floating around out there. <laughs> Had you come down to the Chicago Pipe Show or any of the pipe shows at that point? No, actually. Um, 2015 the west coast pipe show in las vegas that was the first pipe show i ever attended um i shared a tape with uh, a table with mike lancaster uh who at the time was carrying my pipes on his website uh, but at that point i'd already transitioned completely into radiator pipes so that was actually my first show uh, so while i was making handmade pipes i i never got the opportunity to to uh, attend uh, a show but i always wanted to and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm very often not wrong, uh, unless my wife's around, then I'm wrong all the time. Uh, but you were said so you kind of got in on that on the YouTube pipe community and and kind of gravitated towards that you know with those guys and kind of learned from them as well, right? Yeah, um, there was back then when I back in 2015, if you did a, a YouTube search for tobacco pipe or anything like that, usually the first thing that would pop up would be a, uh, a Dagner film. Yeah. Uh, this is back before he was uh, actually selling pipes. This is back when he was a, a YouTube personality exclusively reviewing and uh, just teaching just people being, about just, tobacco. Just being Jason and his dad. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what got me more and more into understanding other brands, understanding makers, and then I would start looking up the makers' names and, and slowly, you know, jump down that YouTube rabbit hole that you rarely come out of. <laughs> the, the one that seems to end for me with always watching old episodes of whose line is it or what's my line. <laughs> um, yeah, somehow I always end up there, but <laughs> um, yeah. So, but that, but that community was, you know, uh, a welcoming bunch of people and, and I, you know, I remember 2014, 15, 16, it was, you know, there was a group of you guys and you were like all brand new and young and bearded. And we were happy to see young people showing up at stuff. It's absolutely, I mean, I had, I didn't attend shows before that, uh, as I mentioned, but even in the last four or five years, I've just seen a huge surge of uh, younger pipe smokers and makers uh, attending the show. It's it's almost like there was a almost a generational gap between uh, the previous uh, you know uh, big push or the popularity. It almost skipped a generation into this one, and now that I mean now it's huge. I mean you were at the Chicago Pipe Show just recently, and you probably noticed the 
that the age range uh, has expanded. I mean, uh, the, yeah. the younger the younger attendees are, are just getting uh, the group is getting larger and larger every year, and that's a good thing for our industry, uh, considering how uh, regulated it's becoming and how difficult it's becoming to actually have these types of shows and gatherings and just in in general enjoy the hobby. Um, so it's nice to see that there's a younger generation that will continue carrying that torch. Yeah, I've, I've said it before, but, you know, 18, 20, 20 years ago when I started going to the pipe shows, I was the young guy and I was, you know, 30 and the average age of people there was 50, 60 and now 70. And now there's a good solid range of, of guys in their twenties, thirties and forties that are filling up these rooms and coming in and buying pipes and buying tobaccos and hanging out and smoking. And it's, uh, and it's, it's really nice to see. Absolutely. I mean, that's the one thing I do enjoy at these shows is you will see people from every generation, um, hanging out together and, and sharing stories. It's, it's not, it's not as clicky as, uh, as some, as some communities are with the age, but it is definitely, uh, it is definitely the one opportunity you usually get per year to meet some of your best friends because that's how, you know, this generation interacts with one another. I, my, some of my best friends I see once or twice a year, and, but I talk to them every single day. And, uh, you know, I don't live anywhere near them. Yeah, you, you don't live near much. <laughs> You're kind of out there in the middle. Um, it, and before we go to the break, is it just my impression or is the YouTube thing kind of uh, throttled back a little bit and just seems to be a more steady core of YouTube pipe presenters? If I would agree with that. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a good that's a good angle. Um, I would say it, the YouTube pipe community is still there. But it is not as uh, popular as it used to be. Uh, it doesn't seem to be growing uh, so much as it is uh, staying roughly the same size. It seems to be that the pipe community nowadays, as far as an online presence goes, has kind of transitioned into uh, like Instagram or Facebook or Voxer, the private messaging app. Um, that seems to be kind of where the community lives these days. And uh, YouTube's not getting as much love <laughs> as it used to. Yeah, yeah, and we've had discussions about that. Yeah, I've had discussions with other people about the fractured nature of the uh, of the community, and and it works in all the different communities. You find people that you like on Instagram, or you you find Instagram groups, you find Facebook groups, you find yeah the YouTube groups, and then the forum groups, and. Yeah, they, they may not know anything about anybody. And in fact, I put out a call recently to people for the, on the radio show to let me know if they've got a favorite Instagram pipe maker that they want on the show. Cause I don't know who these people are, but anyway, uh, let's take a break right here. Then when we come back, we'll talk about the radiator pipe and we'll talk about a whole lot more with Hector. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. 
We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. are back on the pipes magazine radio show visiting with hector weeb and all right let, let's get into the radiator pipes because these are cool bizarre fascinating interesting and let, let's go back to the creation of them because you did know how to make you know regular briar pipes where where where'd this radiator pipe idea come from well um as i mentioned earlier my son had some health issues when he was younger um, so I, I, as a result of that, he, uh, he had heart issues. He, uh, he was in a hospital in Edmonton, uh, Alberta, here in Canada, uh, waiting for a heart transplant. So I was out of work for seven months. And during that time, I was staying in uh, a hotel for three months. And then after that, I moved into a Ronald McDonald house. And uh, my wife at the time, she was keeping the lights on back home. So we sold our dream home, we sold our dream car, moved into a smaller house, everything we could to try and, you know, stay afloat, because once the little guy got his heart, he needed a, a home to come home to. Yeah. So um, I started trying to find a way to uh, bring extra money into the household, and uh, one of the ways was uh, through pipe making. It was the only thing I could think of that I could do, you know, outside of my profession, um, that I could possibly do from where I was. I had made a couple of friends while I was in Edmonton, some some very close friends, uh, Ian Barnes and uh, Cody Perkins. They both lived within about a twenty minute drive from the hospital. Yeah. Um, so I was I was looking at being in uh, in Edmonton for roughly three years. That's what they were telling us because my son's uh, match percentage was about I believe it was three or four percent of the North American population. And they said, usually when you only match three or four percent of the American population, you're looking at at least three years wait time Wow, for a donor. So we're like, all right, buckle down. And uh, so one of the things I did was I, I started uh, thinking about how could I make a pipe that required less work because, you know, I'm spending most of my day at the hospital and uh, so I decided to put my sleepless nights to work, and I taught myself uh, CAD, downloaded a free CAD program, um, taught myself CAD, started drawing up a pipe uh, that, uh, that could be manufactured, something where I could do some of the work, but not all of it. So I had the base at the time, uh, which is the radiator. I had that manufactured in China, and uh, I did the rest of myself here. At the time, I, I was turning bowls from Briar in Cody's workshop. Uh, he was gracious enough to give me a spare key, so you know, while him and his wife and dogs and cats are sleeping, I'm in his garage turning bowls <laughs> because I only slept about three hours a night back then. Just too much stress and anxiety. Yeah. Uh, but then um, I launched the pipe. Uh, actually, if you go on YouTube and look up my channel, there's really only about three videos on there, but they're of me launching the uh, the radiator pipe. 
and it was launched from the my bedroom at the Ronald McDonald House. So as soon as I launched that and it took off, um, the community was so supportive. Um, and uh, after my son got his heart transplant, which he, by the way, he got on Valentine's Day. Oh. <laughs> uh, so he got his heart on heart day. Um, so uh, once he got his transplant, he was up and walking with within the week, which is insane. I'd still be curled up in the fetal position <laughs> if I had just had a new heart put in me a week ago. But he was up and walking and healthier than ever. And he's, he's doing great now. Uh, health-wise, he is good, like a rock. Now he's just uh, your usual happy little kid, and he's always been a happy kid. But uh, we came home; we had a house to live in. You know, it was a lot smaller than what we're used to, but uh, it was a, it was a home. And uh, slowly, the radiator pipe kept taking off. Uh, sales were going up, and uh, I had to keep up with production. So. Um, I could no longer turn the bowls myself because I was doing about 40 a week and it was uh, getting a little bit uh, difficult to keep up with. So I, I outsourced to an Italian factory to make my bowls. Um, that way I was able to keep up with the with the sales. And uh, and that's pretty much where I'm at right now. I've got, uh, I've got a few different countries making components and I still make the stems, not the mouthpiece, but the stainless steel tube portion myself and I assemble them here in Canada and by the laws of export that means I have to call them made in Canada because I assembled <laughs> several components from different countries in Canada um, but yeah they're still all hand assembled I always joke nowadays when people ask me advice about pipe making I just say I don't know I'm an, I'm an assembler I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you, you put a little maple syrup on them just so that they have more Canadian in them? Just a little bit. You got to have that, you know, just that hint. Yeah. In fact, that's what makes them Canadian. Made in Canada is that is syrup. <laughs> yeah. Or for the more meatier taste, the Canadian bacon, um, which you I just need, call it ham. Yeah. Which I guess <laughs> you guys just call ham. You know. Okay. Uh, so what are the what are the components of it? It's a briar bowl that screws onto a metalish thingy. Yeah, it's a it's Italian briar bowl um, that screws onto a, an anodized aluminum base uh, that's made of sixty sixty one anodized aluminum, and the the stainless steel stem is three hundred four stainless steel, and it has a uh, acrylic CNC made uh, mouthpiece that's been sanded and polished. Uh, so, so yeah, there's four components to it. Um, it's currently available in five different colors as far as the base goes. Uh, this is just the standard line. It's five different base colors, five different stem shapes, and nine different bowls. So if you do the math, that's 225 possible combinations. Uh, I'm, and, so, uh, I'm sorry. Math is not allowed on this show. All right. Yeah. Lots of but a metric butt ton of options as far as configurations. Go. Now that I understand because I'm looking at this and going, all right. So you got multiple different bases. You get different lengths in the in the little shafty thing that comes off the base that goes to the stem, and then you got bowl shapes. And on top of that, if I understand it right, with the acrylic mouthpiece and everything else being stainless steel and aluminum the only thing that can really get dirty is the actual briar bowl because everything else you can throw in the dishwasher exactly i have i do have a few friends and, and customers who do throw them in the dishwasher i personally don't 
can recommend that just because <laughs> I haven't tested it. But I usually uh, recommend just uh, running some tap water through the base. They, they all pass a pipe cleaner. That's one of the questions that gets asked quite often because there's some pretty abrupt bends in it. But uh, they all pass a pipe cleaner. The tall bent is the only one that requires a, uh, uh, a church warden length pipe cleaner in order to pass it. But they, they all go from mouthpiece to cooling chamber. Um, so, yeah. So in the in the base of it, where the radiator portion is, is that all kind of hollow down in the bottom, so you get that secondary air chamber down there? Absolutely. It's uh, the concept behind the radiator pipe when I was designing it was to uh, to take the steam out of the smoke. Um, one of the major misconceptions is that it's the temperature of smoke that causes all the tongue bite. Yep. It's actually the acidity in the in the smoke and in the steam in the smoke that that causes your tongue to go raw but it's the temperature of the smoke that makes you feel that rawness you know you hit that with a little bit of heat just like when you burn your tongue most of the time you won't feel it but then when you eat something cold or hot you'll immediately feel it so that's the same concept that i was looking to uh, to eliminate so it what it does is uh, most people will think that the base itself does all the cooling and it does to a very small degree because it's like a reverse calabash secondary cooling chamber but most of the cooling actually is done by the stem itself because you're passing smoke through a very small channel in metal that is usually roughly about room temperature um, or whatever ambient temperature you're smoking in. So it will actually condense moisture inside the stem uh, by design, and it will deposit it in the base of the radiator, which is completely hollow. It has a, a chamber below the draft hole, so it doesn't gurgle. Um, so you, after you smoke a bowl, you just unscrew the bowl, and you... Dip the tip the radiator upside down. You'll actually have some fluid pour out, and that's not spit. That's actually all the the steam that was in the smoke. Or so uh, it it produces tongue by by doing that. So then, do you suggest at the end of each smoke, you know, clean out the bowl and then open it up and dry out what might have condensed in there? Yeah, exactly. That's usually what I recommend. I recommend taking them apart. Run just the you know take the bowl off. Run water through um, the base, the the stem, and the mouthpiece as you know in one piece as it's assembled, and just lay it on your counter or or in your cabinet wherever you store your pipes, and just clean the bowl the way you would clean a normal tobacco, uh, sorry a normal briar pipe, and uh, let it dry. But the great thing about it is you can smoke several bowls in a row. And you can also dedicate a bowl to each blend, you know, your English, your Virginia, your aromatics, that because the tobacco uh, will only ghost in the, in the briar, it won't do so in the metal. So you're able to carry one frame and a couple bowls and you're set for the day. <laughs> so you can walk around and go, I've got one pipe and two bowls on me. Absolutely. Uh, sorry, I couldn't resist that one. But yeah, I'm looking at it. Uh, so the website is hweeb.com, H-W-I-E-B-E.com. And there's three different bowl shapes. I'm, I'm guessing the bowl shapes are just for style at that point. Yeah, yeah they uh, internally, they all share the identical dimensions. So they all have about an inch and a quarter deep. Uh, tobacco chamber they look like they would have a lot deeper tobacco chamber but a good portion of the briar in the bottom is taken up by cooling chamber so uh, they all share the same internals and the tobacco yeah so the it's a standard group four kind of size tobacco chamber and uh what do they what do they start out at price wise 
for a full for a full pipe because I know you can buy pieces and parts and for yeah for a full pipe you're looking at uh, eighty dollars for the frame and sixty dollars for a stack bowl so you're looking at about one hundred forty dollars for uh, a full pipe. Um, there's also a line that uh, Morgan Chris Morgan releases. I partnered mm-hmm. with him. He has a bones version that retails for uh, a lower price than that. So it's a good way to get your your feet wet in the radiator uh, line. And if you like it, everything's cro- uh, backwards compatible with it. So you can bu- add bowls to it or you can put bowl, uh, bones, bowls on my standard frames and so on. <laughs> you can put somebody else's balls on your frame. Uh, Absolutely. There's a whole bunch of innuendos here, and I'm just going to play with them for a while and enjoy them. <laughs> uh, so you can also just do it. You can have a bent. Uh, you can have a bent stem and a straight stem and have the same pipe, just switch out the stems? Yeah, the uh, the stainless steel stem is actually fused into the uh, the aluminum uh, radiator components. So okay. you're basically, it's called, I call them frames and bowls. So you have your metal frame and your briar bowl. So you can swap those back and forth however you wish. Yeah, so there, I mean, there's a lot of versatility to it. It's really kind of funky looking. Um and now you're doing a tubin, which is a straight-looking thing? Yeah. Um, in 2016, I believe, uh, 2015, uh, sorry, 2016 was the first year I was at, uh, at the Chicago Pipe Show, and I ended up sharing a, uh, a table with a pipe maker from Germany named uh, Dirk Heinemann. And he, uh, he and I had actually never met before the show. Uh, we met through our mutual friend, uh, uh, Ian Barnes. So we were sharing a table, and he has a unique shape that he makes. Uh, one of his signature shapes is called the Tubin. And as we're sitting there, um, you know, at the show, talking to customers and collectors and so on and other makers, uh, there's a lull in traffic. And he reached over and grabbed one of my radiators and kind of held it up uh, and lined it up with one of his Tubins uh, just to as a visual and we said you know what that looks amazing we were gonna have to do that so it took us two years to get our shit together but sorry <laughs> <laughs> to get our stuff together and uh, we ended up releasing uh, last year at the Chicago pipe show the radiator tubin or sorry the tubin radiator so that actually we re- we designed a completely new radiator portion um, he redesigned his mouthpiece and, uh, we made a bowl that mimicked his in order to fit. And it basically, it combines the aesthetic of his tubin, um, with radiator technology to cool the smoke. And it, uh, it's definitely raising some eyebrows. So again, it's on hweeb.com. Plus you've got distribution all around the world and, you know, a couple of, uh, couple of everybody's favorite retailers so check them out um before we get to the fast five final questions i guess there's also a move coming up in your life yes actually um i'm currently in canada in winnipeg but um i am looking at relocating to utah actually which is where my fiance uh kaylee lives oh man you may know her as queen of cobs yeah i wasn't going to mention her name because you know the minute you mention her name nobody thinks about us guys everybody's all about you know kaylee and the the queen of cobs and all that and then we're just guys standing on the side talking to each other but 
<laughs> I smoke pipes too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember me. I'm with her. Yeah. 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 So no, I'm happy. I'm really happy for both of you. And uh, and as I've said before, we started recording. Um, you know, once you two get married, then I'm all about chasing after Kaylee again because then it's equal. Because then we're both married. So yeah, just just yeah, be just fair. be forewarned. You know. Yeah, it's a standard. Appreciate the warning. Yeah, it's a standard American tradition that I wanted to make you aware of, being that you're from Canada, um, and being that you're actually moving this way, which is a little odd. But <laughs> anyway, Hector, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Ready. What is your favorite pipe? Oh, uh, I'm torn between you know being self-promoting and saying the radiator, which I smoke most, but I would say second to that, honestly, will be my uh, corn cob because that's how I started, and I still go back to the same one occasionally, and it still works. So I'm going to go with corn cob. <laughs> and what is your favorite tobacco? Ooh, uh, bullseye flake for sure. Uh, it's kind of between that and esoterica most of the time, but bullseye flake is what I end up going back to just the – just the Virginia and Preak flavor is just amazing. And the minute you get down here, you'll get to buy it as cheap as possible all the time. Um, what is your favorite drink? Gin and tonic, if it's alcoholic. If not, it's going to be Diet Pepsi. That's not very Canadian of you. Either one of those are not very Canadian of you. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? I would go movie. Um, I get I get uh, heat from this all the time from Kaylee because she's a she's a pretty good reader. She reads quite a bit. Um, I've always found for myself that reading is not efficient enough way to get information into my brain. I'm a very visual person, so I tend to watch videos or movies. So, yeah, if it came down to relaxing, it would definitely be video. And I'm going to change this up for you, uh, but do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that includes Kaylee? The moment we realized that our first pipes ever were exactly the same pipe. We both started with a uh, Missouri Meerschaum. Uh, I believe they were both the legend, although I changed my stem by that time. So the moment I pulled out, I said, you know, when I came to visit her, uh, one of the times I came to visit her, I said, I'll bring my first pipe and you bring yours or dig, dig yours out. So we smoked it together and realized it's the exact same pipe. So <laughs> that by far is my most favorite memory. That was, yeah, it's meant to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hector, thank you very much for doing this. I look forward to seeing you. Uh, well, if you're down in the States, then you'll be at way more pipe shows, and I would imagine you're coming down to pipe shows now more frequently just so that you can visit with somebody, um, you know, besides seeing the pipe shows and stuff like that. But uh, thanks for what you're doing, and, and uh, congratulations again. Absolutely. Thank you very much. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. 
using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf. Each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Check out all of Hector's pipes, see all the stuff he's doing, and uh, I guess he'll have to change them to Made in America, which Canada is still part of America. It's just part of the far North America. All right, for music, it's been hot here this weekend. Record, almost record-setting heat. So uh, going back to Clarence Gatemouth Brown, famous for smoking a pipe, hanging out with his pipe, playing with his pipe in his mouth. If he wouldn't, uh, if, if the place wouldn't let him smoke a pipe, he wouldn't play there. That had to change later on. But anyone, uh, anyway, this one is called Pressure Cooker. <laughs> Thank you. 
if you do a Google search or search on YouTube for uh, Gatemouth Brown pressure cooker and see a live video or live recording of that, man, his fingers are just flying around and I don't know how he does it. Read the mail, read the mail, read the mail. If you want to email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com or for travel related stuff, Brian.levine at mei travel.com. And in the mailbag, going back to the last week with uh, Phil, uh, Craig writes, Brian, I really enjoyed the show. Uh, what an insight into English smoking. I loved it, but over $20 a tin? <laughs> Still, that is reasonable if someone here would sell in, uh, in, in Alamogordo, New Mexico. Um, he, he goes on to say, one fellow had a tobacco store, but he quit and is now selling pizzas and burgers. He buys from Ewan Reese, and it's not the same as having a local B&M. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Craig, for listening, and thanks for writing in. And you know, even if uh, you, you look at Australia, it's not that bad. So, anyway, uh, and then Dino writes another entertaining show. Phil was a fascinating guest. His English perspective on the pipe community was quite refreshing. Uh, in pipe parts, you missed a refillable lighter that I and some of my club brothers swear by. The Zycar Resource 2 at $60 with a lifetime guarantee, a built-in fluid level window, tamper and scraper. It's a great deal. Uh, and then Dino says, I really enjoyed the Jody Davis tune. Thanks, Dino. Um and then, and then Dilagos writes, great show, Brian, but if I'm not mistaken, I believe you over you overlooked one of the best inexpensive refillable pipe lighters, the Zippo with a pipe lighter insert. This has been my go-to for many, many years when lighting my pipe outside in windy San Francisco where I live. Big soft flame, doesn't burn the pipe rim, and reliable as rain for under 20 bucks, and no problem carrying it aboard a plane when flying domestically. All right, so let me go back and touch on the lighters. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of others that I missed. Uh, the Zycar sounds like a good lighter. I haven't personally tested it or played with it um, or even really felt it. And the and the Zippo thing, you know, my great-grandfather smoked a pipe and used a Zippo all the time. And to me, the smell of the Zippo fluid burning and the smell of his pipe, you know, that just goes hand in hand. However, there is some controversy with uh, Zippos and Zippo fluid and flavoring tobaccos. So uh, if you don't taste it, fine, go for it. Use it. Uh, just don't overfill the Zippos because if, if you do that, you'll get a burn on your leg like there's no tomorrow. Uh, and then uh, finally, uh, Chuckamuck writes, uh, Hi, Brian. I have really been enjoying plowing through the back catalog of your shows since I first discovered the podcast in February. Thanks to a few long flights and drives for work, I'm about two-thirds of the way through. It's kind of cool to hear the years go by on a fast-forward and to think about what I was doing at the time of the broadcast. Whatever it was, it wasn't as good as smoking my pipe while listening to your show. Uh, and then he, then he goes on to say he's included a map, and this is an absolutely gorgeous souvenir map of the Magic Kingdom, at Walt Disney World, and to the nearest I can tell, it's going to be circa 1970, uh, 1980 to 1983 because of the rides and stuff that's closed or open since then, um, but what a joy it was just to open that up and look at that, 
and it's and and it's actually kind of well except for the tobacconist shop on main street that's noted there it's kind of current like the magic kingdom is today there's no designated smoking areas because that was back in the day when you could walk around and smoke anywhere and there was ashtrays out and even some of the indoor restaurants had uh you know smoking and ashtrays and stuff on them so it's wonderful uh Chuckamuck, thank you very much for sending this. It's truly uh, a, a treasure. And uh, uh, sadly, I won't be at the Columbus Pipe Show this year because of a concert. Uh, so I'll miss you guys on that. However, uh, Pipe Show-wise, I can confirm that on October 5th, I will be at the, at the uh, Conclave of Richmond Pipe Smokers or the Core Show and Sutliff Tobacco Company event. That is October 5th in Richmond, Virginia. I'll be there all day. They are having a pipe show during the day and tours of the factory all day long. Uh, food trucks will be there, beer vendors. I think they're talking about even possibly picking up the tab on some meals um, it's going to be a lot of fun do not you don't want to miss it at, you don't want to miss it and then at night they're bringing in a band so once the show shuts down there'll be tents out in the parking lot and a band and it'll be a whole day-long party plus while i'll be while i'm going to be there i'll be interviewing you the attendees to uh, talk to you and have you on the show and we'll do a couple of shows worth of uh, recorded material from there. So you get a chance to be on the Pipes Magazine radio show and find out how, well, how unthrilling it can really be. All right, there you go. Oh, and I will be in Las Vegas for the West Coast Pipe Show November 9th and 10th at the Palace Station. Remember, these are October and November dates, the perfect time to start planning travel for those. The best time for you to get your airfares and for the hotel rooms is usually about two months out. So start planning, start saving, start uh, getting ready to bring some money to these shows and have a good time. All right, rant time is next. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. This past Monday in the United States was Memorial Day. It's a three-day weekend, and everybody gets Monday off, so it's a three-day long weekend, and it traditionally starts the beginning of the summer season in the U.S. Well, Memorial Day gets somewhat confused because Memorial Day is to celebrate, or to not to celebrate, but to remember those that have lost their lives in defense of our nation. It is not a day to celebrate. It's a day of remembrance. It began going back to the Civil War and just post-Civil War when ladies would go out and decorate the flag, uh, decorate the, the graves of 
fallen soldiers on both sides of the Civil War. It goes all the way back to then. And for years until uh, in 1882, Memorial Day was known as Decoration Day. And then in uh, World War, uh, the name Memorial Day, you know, it, it, it was Decoration Day. Then it became Memorial Day. But all the way up until World War II, it was kind of known as Decoration Day. And then it finally switched over to Memorial Day. Now, those of you that are currently serving or have served in the armed forces and are veterans, you have a day called Veterans Day, and we appreciate you. There's Armed Forces Day, and we always appreciate you. But on Memorial Day, it's the one day where we stop and celebrate those who lost their lives. And I would suggest that all of us, all of us pipe smokers, all around the world, you know, just take a moment this week and think about those who lost their lives in battle in defense of our countries or in support of our countries, whatever it be, just take a moment, take your pipe, sit back with it and remember those that lost their lives. All right. Uh, again, if you have any comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Follow me on Facebook and I promise I'm going to get more active on Facebook and uh, make sure I post something regularly. Uh, thanks to uh, Hector for joining me and to Jeff. If you want to see Jeff's pipes, look for uh, J. Allen Pipes or Allen Brother Pipes, Allen Brothers Pipes, A-L-A-N. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny If you're looking for inspiration, this should inspire you to go.